Hello and welcome to This is Ibrix, the Rangers podcast Shut up and sit down Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas, and joining me tonight are Scott Patterson and Thomas McIntyre. How are you doing, guys? Hi, Martin. Good evening. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. No bother, no bother. Uh, Wally isn't here this week because uh, his uh, missus had to go and have a wee operation, so everybody at the This Is Ibrox family is uh, wishing, him, wishing him well and his missus because I know he needs to look after the kids, which isn't easy. He's here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hope he's missed his well, sending our best wishes. Right, guys, I thought we would start just a couple of minutes talk. Um, last week was the fifth anniversary of the takeover of the uh, the club by the, the board at the AGM. Um, Scott, it's, it's fair to say it's been eventful. Indeed. Um, it's, been, it's been five years of... Uh, Quite a few ups and downs. Uh, roller coasters been the word that's been used quite a lot uh, in that period of time, and it, listen, it has been that. But um, there's no doubt that we'll look back on on that particular period of time, um, and when those three guys uh, done what they done, it's um, something we'll be grateful for for a long, long, long time. Uh, probably when my wee fellas supporting Rangers and um, they'll look back in that period. Uh, and they're looking at it with a bit of fondness because these guys are right in there with our with our history now and, and kept us going, kept us going. It is fair to say, Thomas, though, that they, they have made some mistakes. Yeah, I think, you know, if you uh, open the, the ledger there um, in the, the plus column you've got, putting the club back in a, an even keel, getting us more competitive, making us a name in Europe again, and then maybe on the other side of that ledger, you've got uh, what, Pedro Cachinha. Um, you know, I'd probably just draw a line under that one. Um, maybe a Bush in Luxembourg as <laughs> well somewhere. But yeah, ups and downs. But overall, I don't think anybody would argue that the, the board that came in and changed the, the regime, so to speak, did a magnificent turn for the club and, and, and you know, put us back close to where we belong. Scott, do you think any incoming board has had to fight as many fires as, as this current one? Uh, no, not at all. And I mean, even even now, five years down the line, they continue to to bat away uh, a lot of nonsense, um, particularly around retail deals, etc. So they're, they're still um, actively dealing with a lot of rubbish, frankly. They're probably just determined to, to continue to get the football club back into... Um, talking about football and uh, just maintaining and managing that side of things, they do still need to deal with uh, a lot of things that they probably thought five years ago they, they just wouldn't have had to think about. Um, as I say, the three guys are such passionate Rangers fans as well, which helps enormously. I, where I sit at the ground, um, John Gilligan used to sit just about two or three rows down in front of me. I never knew who he was, but I always um, seen him as a, a passionate fan for for goals or um, 
questioning referees' decisions inevitably, and then when he suddenly appeared alongside Paul Murray and Dave King walking around the the track at Ibrox that afternoon um, to put the 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 face um, to the name um, was really good, and I, 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 I don't think I was a, a prouder guy in the country that day than, than John Gilligan certainly. Yeah, it's it's just good to actually have people and running the club now that are genuine Rangers men after everything that we've had to put up with. That's that's for sure. Right, moving on then, guys. Um, first of all, I have to apologise to anybody listening. I've either got the cold or the coronavirus. I'm not sure which one. But if you hear any sniffling, I do apologise. Um, Thomas, Leon King, a young defender, signed his first professional deal. Uh, there's a lot of noise coming from people at the club that this young boy's something special. Yeah, uh, certainly, you know, it's, it's always good to tie down, and um, you know, um, talent, uh, whether it's potential talent or, you know, actually fully developed. And it's there's no doubting that it's a good news story um, for the club uh, in terms of being able to fend off people who were supposedly looking at them, such as, you know, Tottenham, Man U, Manchester City. Um, and there's an understanding that Rangers slightly tweaked and broke their wage structure for youth players uh, to, to get the, the agreement over the line. Such was the uh, the belief in Leon King. There's also, you know, um, you know, from the, the news that came out from the club, there was also an understanding that Leon would be given, you know, a bit of a fast-tracked pathway towards the the first team, which I think is no bad thing um, for. For Rangers and something we probably have to do more of if we're supposed to keep these players. Um, I think one of the nuances to that that we sometimes forget is that we benefit from cross-border from England and picking up players such as Joe Rebo on the, the cheap, so to speak, but so can English clubs to us, and that's particularly so when it comes to youth. So yes, Rangers have got all the tools behind the scenes in terms of an incredible youth department, but it's an important part to nail these players down on long contracts and then get them playing in the first team. But ultimately, you know, a great news story. Scott, not surprisingly by some people in the media, we've been slated for not bringing through young talent. But they, they never mention what happened to us in 2012 when they talk about this. Um, how important is it now for us, though, to start bringing through youth? I think it's, it's critically important now for us. Um, we we speak or we have rather spoken for a long time now about how the the sorry, the next group of youth guys is the cream of the crop and it almost feels as if we say that almost three years down the line repetitively and we we don't seem to get that crop just coming through. Um, as far as Leon King's concerned, everything you read about him and see about him suggests that he is the real deal. He's got a huge future ahead of him. Um, and he's I mean, 16, I'm sure he is, he's some size of a boy. Uh, I seen him at the game last Wednesday, um, the Hamilton game, um, and he was sitting in the director's box, and he's a, a big bit of a boy for 16, let me tell you. Uh, if he continues to grow at the rate that he's clearly done already, we're in for a real strong, powerful centre-half for a good few seasons to come, hopefully. It would be good to see him before the end of the season, whether he'll get his crack at centre-half between now and middle of May, I think, remains to be seen. But I think he'll um, he'll certainly be in and around first-team squads. Interesting to hear Tommy speak about the the pathway that's been mentioned to him. I wouldn't say promised, but certainly um, there's a suggestion that he could he could make it into the first team. 
Um, I wonder what the difference is with Ross Wilson being there and and offering that pathway to our youth team. Uh, it'd be interesting to know if they were given such uh, particular guarantees when Mark Allen was around. Uh, I can't help but think we'd maybe be talking about another starlet moving down south this week. Well, just just on that point, um, Tommy, the way that the seasons went and we're coming close to, to the end of the season, should Gerard be looking at a few youth players to bring them into the team? Oh, that's a that's a that's a wide ranging question, and I don't know if I've joined the short straw because I'm not a usual member of the the, the podcast here. Um, so <laughs> a deep breath with, with that one. Um, you don't get you don't get the easy questions. No, <laughs> evidently, evidently not. Um, I'll, I'll I'll make some comments that mean you have to stitch all this together in the editing room. Um, maybe even harder for you, but um, I think there's a. It depends how you. are looking at it and not to allow myself too long a throat clearing here if you're looking at it from a perspective that you fully believe that the title race is over then do you bring in players yes to allow them to have a run of games and looking towards the start of next season when they should be absolutely challenging the first team members as are or are you worried about the team's not playing particularly well? Do you put these players in and set them back from a confidence level? I know more and more emphasis is put on young players' mental development and the ability to hold the confidence in what they're doing. And I can't help but feel a young player, even one of our own, in, in inverted commas, uh, playing in front of an angry Ibrox crowd, maybe making a few bad passes or selling a goal, you know, might feel themselves really under pressure. I suppose... If you were to ask me this question after Sunday, I might have a different answer, um, but fully expecting um, to, to perform well on Sunday, I think that players should still be round about the squad as they are training with the first team a couple of times a week, like Kai Kennedy and Patterson, etc. Being in the squad on the bench or the 19th man and making some substitute appearances between now and the end of the season is probably the best that we can and should expect this full squad, the, the main senior squad, should be able to do its job professionally and get us over the line this season. It sounded like a slight cop out there, but I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you No, but Scott, Thomas makes a good point there. Um, is it a good idea to bring in the youth when we are in such bad form and they might be in front of an angry eyebrows or would it settle the eyebrows crowd down knowing that there is maybe one or two youths in there? I think it's a, it's a really, really difficult one to answer. I think when you bring in these guys, a lot depends on what position they're playing. Um, for example, would you bring in a, a young midfielder, for example, to play centre mid? Um, game passes them by, a couple of straight passes. And the reality is that we as a support don't really deal with young players coming into the first team particularly well if things begin to go a wee bit tits up, for want of a better term or expression. And that's just the way of it, in my opinion. Um, personally, I would like to see um, Nathan Patterson get some more game time between now and the end of the season. Uh, and I would like to see Kai Kennedy get a bit more game time as well. Um, obviously, both were at the bench at the week, on the bench at the weekend. Um, and I think... I think both will will get some game time between now and the end of the year. It's not an easy one to to answer as things stand just now because we're 
the league isn't mathematically gone. It's going to be hell of a hard now, as everyone knows. And we're still battling in the, the Europa League front. Um, so Gerald will want to go full pelt, strongest teams possible in either of these competitions for however long we're still in them. So I don't think he'll just throw these 17, 18-year-olds into the team um, and expect it to happen or for them to gel in with what's there already. I think think the one there is who might get the the majority of the game time, and I think you've picked up on that absolutely correctly, is probably Patterson. I think there's space there, depending on how long Tavernier's injury is, but also um, the the lack of maybe an absolute first choice replacement for him, uh, and also Tavernier's loss of form when he you know when he's been playing. So I think yeah, Patterson maybe looks like the one who could cement something um, between now and the end of the season. No, I think you're being a wee bit unfair on my main man pollster there, but um... <laughs> we can get all things red, white, and blue, and uh, God bless the USA and all that. Uh... <laughs> uh, one person, Thomas, who would have been in. The, the team towards the end of the season would be young Billy Gilmore. Um, he's had a, a, a cracking couple of games for Chelsea. And uh, I know he's not at the team anymore, and I know it's not really Rangers related, but just quickly on Billy Gilmore. He's played fantastic against Liverpool and Everton, controlled the games, got man in a match, and yet finds himself in the Scotland under-21s team. Well, yeah, and I know we we spoke about this briefly, um, you know, before we before we came on, um, and I was making the joke that he's no Alan Power or anything like that, and he's going to play on on two G uh, with um, bits of black rubber and taking his eye out every time he goes in for a challenge. So he was never going to look up from the bottle and uh, and and watch him. Um, so I think yeah, that there is a an expectation that he goes into the team. Uh, and that's the full senior team, and he probably should get shot. I think we just need to be very careful in this country in particular that we've got a terrible habit of latching on to any performance um, and then making that you know that player the, the second coming. Um, that's not to play down Billy Gilmore's ability. I think he is the genuine real deal, and so does Frank Lampard. And you know Lampard can't know a midfielder, then nobody can. The, the bookend to that that I'd just like to mention, I agree with you that he's no longer at Rangers, but two things that do interest me about him is one, and we touched on this with Leon King, that's an example of the pathway not working and a player leaving. And so we need to be very conscious of that. I'm sure Rangers are in trying to nail down their best talent uh, and bring talent in the door. And also when we did sell him, I think we got half a million up front, but there is a sell-on clause there, and I think there's some appearance clauses where Rangers continue to get money if he makes the grade. So from that perspective, I'm fully behind them, doing well for Chelsea and becoming a full international because it might always be to the eventual benefit of Rangers' balance sheet. The one negative that I was thinking about, Scott, was Billy Gilmore going down and playing fantastic for Chelsea. It's brilliant, and it's brilliant for Scottish football, but could it be a negative for for us um, with respects to trying to keep a hold of young talent? Because we've been able to say in the past, you know, if you take that big money move down south, you'll get stuck in the youth teams, you'll end up in League Two, you won't get a game. Is this now saying to young players, well, do you know what, no, see if you're good enough, you, you can go down there at a young age and you can work your way into the first team whilst making uh, a shed load of money? I think there's there's definitely elements of truth in that. 
I mean, the obvious thing is if if Billy Gilmer was still at Rangers right now, um, would he be playing in the first team just now? I'm not sure he would be, bizarrely enough, and I, I can't quite explain why. I'm not sure he would be in the first team now. I, I read things on social media last week that he'd probably be applying his trade at Capolo or um, Dumbarton or something like that just to get games under his belt to give him first team football type thing. Um, listen, the boys are he's a, a really, really good player. I, I saw bits and pieces of him at the weekend. Um, one thing that absolutely fascinated me about them, about him rather, was um, every time you look at him, he's always looking around. He's looking over his shoulder all the time. The master of that in English football for as long as I can remember recently was Frank Lampard. Any footage you look at Frank Lampard when he played for Chelsea, he's forever looking over his shoulder, see how much space he's got, see if he's got time to, to play a pass left, right or forward. Um, Gilmer is, is absolutely adopting that into his game. Um, and there's no doubt he's going to be a mainstay in the Chelsea team for the next couple of years. There's absolutely no question of that. Just a quick shout out as well, Scott, to the under-18s managed by uh, Kevin Thompson. They went up to Aberdeen and gave them a right good pumping. And two weeks previous, Aberdeen actually beat them in the cup. So to go up there and get a, a right good result is, is fantastic for the under-18s. Yeah, listen, I mean, it was absolutely payback for for Kevin Thompson, wasn't it? I, I read his, um, a couple of bits and pieces on his uh, after-match stuff. He was really, really pleased with um, with how that went. I think more so after the disappointment in the, the sort of previous meeting between the two teams. Um, it's worth pointing out today as well, it's been a really good day for our uh, youth academy. Uh, well over a dozen uh, players have been called up for the under-21s, the 19s and the 17s for the, the Scotland national team. So, if there's ever any debate that there are some things going right at the, the Rangers training centre, that is absolutely it. Um, these youth guys are there and they are well worth being considered as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's well worth checking out the uh, the Youth Academy uh, Twitter page as well for all your things youth-wise. Um, at RFC underscore youth, capital Y. Uh, a lot of good content in there. Uh, interviews with some of the young players and some match footage as well. I recommend you you check it out. A lot of good interviews. Just finally on the on the youths, and we'll move on to the the Ross County game. Uh, Thomas, it's been a pretty good year, year and a half for the all all our youth teams. Well, yeah, and I think you know to, to echo um, what's just been said there. I think it was quite clear that, uh, and this maybe goes all the way back to. The, the very first um, topic we covered in terms of the board's first you know, five years, part of the, the mainstay of the plan and the mainstay of the business model is to make itself sustainable, and a lot of that is player development and player trading. And so a lot of money was put in behind the scenes to not only you know rebuild the club infrastructure, but in particular the scouting, which is at all age levels, and then the, um, the, uh, the academy and the, uh, the background staff that as well. Ross Wilson's the capstone of that now in terms of being the director of football. But it's clear that there's been a hell of a lot of work put in there. And we've been look, we've been looked at from a European and, and global perspective of people starting to visit the, the Rangers Training Centre and the Academy to learn best practice. Um, you know, we had the, the European Best D Best programmes, etc., which were a departure. So it's no, you know, surprise, but it's great to see that the players are now developed to a position where they are 
essentially based in based in country, and it's just about pushing that forward and getting them into the first team. So there's a direct line to draw from, you know, the board's um, position all the way through people like Leon King and Billy Gilmore, Nathan Patterson, etc., and the work being done behind the, the scenes in the club's academy. It's a it's a it's a really bright future there. Okay, well, moving on to probably less happier topics. Um, we travelled up to Dingwall on Sunday. A um, couple of changes in the team. Poster came in for Tav. I wonder who called that. Um, <laughs> Camberry went onto the bench. Morello started up front. Were you happy with the starting lineup, Tam? Thomas? Tam? I don't know. Tam or Thomas? Uh, definitely, definitely a Thomas or a Tommy. Um, absolutely no Tam because given my height restriction, people always call it me Tam, and I'm definitely <laughs> not that. Um, so uh, yeah, the nightmares of going to um, going to uh, you know roller coasters and not being allowed to to ride them coming back to the fold there. <laughs> and and for, forever you will be known as we Tam. Yeah. <laughs> Myself there. Um, I'll get back <laughs> after this to the editing suite and see if we can stop this. T-bone will do. Right, um, so... Starting uh, line-up. Yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, one or two, you know, Mystic Meg types called the poster thing, uh, and God God love them. Um, they are the smartest people. <laughs> uh, and some of them are just lucky, and uh, <laughs> not quite any single, uh, and... Uh, but I think you know that was a that was a fair change. I think Morelos uh, being in there as well was unsurprising. Um, you know, I, I thought if, if I was to draw out Polster in particular, I thought Polster had a reasonably decent game. And what were challenging conditions and a challenging team? And you know, let's be honest, we didn't play particularly well. But yeah, I, I thought Polster was a decent a decent uh, addition. Although personally, I would have played Pars. Fair enough. I wouldn't, but fair enough. Uh, I had a look at the bench, Scott, and does the bench look strong enough for you now? I no, I I don't think it does. Um, and to to be honest, I don't know. I'm really not sure how he how he changes it as such as from a, a sort of options perspective. Um, there there was not a lot on there at all. Uh, and considering the way that some of the guys played, um, you would have been looking to, to sort of make a change and just freshen it up. But as the game was going on and we were just trying to get a breakthrough without having A, a lot of joy or playing particularly well, um, there was nothing really on the bench that made you think, I will be okay. It was more a case of, Jesus Christ, will someone just score, frankly? Well, we'll come on to the first half and we, Tam, we'll come to the penalty in a minute. Well, what should have been the penalty in a minute, but I was I was taking notes, trying to take notes for the pod and I'll be honest, in the first half, my page, my page was, was empty. It was, it, was really, it was a really, really poor first half. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's probably symptomatic of where we've been uh, since the, the turn of the year, or the Dubai effect, or you know whatever we want to call it, um, since we came back, there's there's been a, a kind of a position whereby we knew we weren't playing well, you know, Mirren, Stringard, etc. But we were getting by, and 
you kind of chalk that up initially to the lethargy and the fact that we're seeing it out. And you think, you know, the, the conversation has turned um, from those results where it was a case of, well, do you know what? Last season we wouldn't have won these and these are what you need to do to win a, a title or a, or a trophy. You need to grind them out. That's good to see to Kelly and Hearts, which was more of a, right, those results have caught up with us now and we're not getting the, the run of green and the luck. There's no doubt in my mind, and I don't think anybody's watching it with the, the kind of blue tinted specs on or any impartials would have thought, we rocked up and Ding was absolutely devoid of confidence and nobody really wanted to, to take the game on. One or two tries, you know, I think that they were working hard, which is all you can, can ask for sometimes. But it was a pretty, pretty dire first half and you got the feeling that um, we would cause our own um, mistake again uh, and we did have a few mistakes playing the ball at the back has become a particular feature of that particularly on bad pitches like you know somebody looked like they'd attacked uh, the, the, the pitch with a JCB overnight um, but ultimately you know we managed to grind out the first half as well but there's no there's no getting away from the fact that there was a real lack of quality and I, you can't put that all down to the pitch or the the uh, the, um, the weather, etc. There was just a lack of belief in people's ability to go and attack defenders, which were, you know, a, a lot less ability-wise than, than the Rangers score. And Scott, when you're down in confidence, you're down in your luck, you're not playing particularly well, sometimes you just need that little bit of luck. And that should have came on the 37th minute when uh, Polster does well to get the ball, crosses it in, low cross, Fontaine slides... And it hits his arm, penalty. It's an absolute stonewaller, isn't it? I mean, I, I when it happened, I, I looked at it a couple of times and I thought, is it just the way that he's he's kind of slid in and he's um, he's just not been able to get his arm out of the road? But it's, it's incredible that it wasn't given. It really is absolutely incredible. I couldn't believe that um, it was even up for debate. Uh, it's it's a definite penalty. Should have been given. Shouldn't have even been discussed. Um, straight to the straight to the spot for me, without question. There's been um, real changes for handball, but even before they changed the rule for handball, Thomas, that's a penalty anyway. Well, I think you know I'm maybe less vociferous about it. It has to be said, um, and that's. You can tell that I'm not going to get invited back now, to be honest with you. Since you've caught me be Tam, I'm just going right off the road. Um, also, using words, using words like vociferous will definitely not get you invited back. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not going to go to help me. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, Fontaine's going in at speed. Um, I, I do believe it's a penalty, right? I, I do think that. I'm trying to be fairly impartial about it. I think what probably gets him out of jail maybe in the referee's mind and the linesman's mind more probably because the linesman's got a slightly better view of it from a side-on perspective, is that it goes to ground relatively early and it's the momentum that's taking them through. And I don't know anybody who would slide on their side and not you know, have an arm out. Um, I still think it's an unnatural position and by the letter of what's a penalty. And it should have been a penalty, but it's probably, again, symptomatic of the fact that if there's anything even remotely debatable with the Rangers' decision these days, we seem to always fall on the wrong side of the of the coin. Uh, and I think that there's something psychological about that for um, the officials, that it's just easier to wave it away. And that's maybe not just... 
You sounded like you went in, into a tunnel there at the end of that, but um, you put a bag over my head. Scott, is it possible that the ref um, judged it not to be a penalty simply because Fontaine was already on a yellow? And if that's a penalty, that's a second yellow card, and he's off. Um, I... Or am I just overthinking it? If I was being honest with you, I, I, I think you are overthinking it a little bit. Um, the it just it comes back. There's, there's there's no danger that I don't think the ref could have made the call. I think Tommy's absolutely spot on, but the linesman must have a, a great view of it, a cracking view of it. Um, and even if if without seeing it again in front of me, I'm sure the ball is is drifting right into the path of Morelos. So. He would have a, a clear effort on goal. Um, the the reality is, and the crux of it is, it was a handball. It should have been a penalty. Again, Tommy's right. We 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 seem to be on the end of critical decisions in games that are going against us. Um, and it's it's proven to it's proven to be a real bugbear as the season goes on. To be perfectly honest. We will uh, come on to Morelos a wee bit later in the podcast. Uh, so half time, Thomas, what's your thoughts at half time? You thinking maybe make some changes because it was really dire. Well, I think you you guys have picked up on on that earlier though. Yeah, uh, would be the answer. You, you want to make changes, but you turn and look at that bench and you're thinking, where's the game changer? Um, where's the where's the ability to change the shape or change the dynamic in the flow of the game because. We were having a lot of the ball, but we weren't penetrating. Uh, Morelos, and I know we'll speak about him uh, you know, more uh, uh, later on, but wasn't as, let's say, dynamic and predatory um, as, he, as he's been, and we know he can be. We weren't really getting in behind him as much as we, we could, and we were kind of stodgy in the midfield, you know, uh, back and sides type of, type of scenario. So, yeah, you're looking for a change, but ultimately I, I'd probably go with Gerard here. The only real change that, that looked like it could be on is Jones coming on for some direct running to try and get down the wing and, and throw the ball into the middle. That's, again, where we are a little bit in terms of throwing the ball into the middle and hoping that something's going to happen. We, we seem to be playing that way, hoping something's going to happen, as opposed to get out and making it happen, which is what we were doing earlier in the season. But I, to answer your question... Yeah, we were absolutely bloody well looking for a change, but not entirely sure what it was going to look like. So we go into the second half, Scott, and I'm thinking to myself, half time, the manager's going to go through them. We, we, we really need this one. Never mind the performance, we just need to grind out this one. And for the first 20, 25 minutes, I was hiding behind the sofa. We were, we were terrible. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were really poor. Uh, if if he if he said to them at half time that he almost demanded a reaction for the first sort of thirty minutes, um, or certainly the first half of the second half, if you like, um, then again, I would suggest they they really weren't listening because um, there was more than a few moments in the the second half that we were um, sort of riding our luck a little bit. Once again, we we kind of we we looked to. Um, the big man in the sticks to to keep things um, 
keep things right for us. McGregor again, a couple of really good saves. Um, but the, that opening part of the second half just wasn't good enough. And um, it just, it's against Ross County. And for everyone that's listening and our friends in Dingwall, which I'm sure they will be, I, I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but we should be winning that quite comfortably. We should be by far the better team. We don't care what anyone says. We just should be dominating these games. We didn't. Simple as that. We just never done it. There was two points in the start of the second half where their player, I don't know his first name, but Mullen, he walked straight through the defence twice. And the first time, he he walks through the defence, he passes it to Stuart, and Stuart really should have scored. I suppose we're quite thankful that that pitch was that bad. But to to be able just to walk through the midfield and defence like that, that's a big drop-off in performance. I think from... um from my perspective, the, the, just the last thing you want is we've kind of went for the first six months of the season and we had a, a relatively well-developed spine of the team. So we had a, a sort of two centre-halves, one man sitting ahead of them, uh, two midfielders ahead of that, and then Morelos up top. I don't know if the the fact that we've had to rejig things back and forward over the last week well has just sort of removed a bit of continuity and consistency that's in there. But yeah, I mean, the run that you're talking about when Josh Muller was that that went right through the middle. It was the the old sort of traditional hot knife through butter type thing. It was poor, really poor. Um, And fortunately for us, it it didn't come anything. But against a better team than Ross County, um, we we would have definitely lost the game at the weekend, no question. And Thomas, sorry on you go, Thomas. I was just going to say, I think that's a a really valid uh, and well-made point there in terms of it's almost the only nuance I'd add to it is that I think if you go back to the first half, half time and in the second half is you can almost see, and I think the stat is since the turn of the year, we've scored one goal in the first half an hour of a game. Um, You can almost see the players slowly tightening up the longer the game goes on, that we haven't found the back of the very little freedom. The only time, you know, for well, the first time we really saw that disappear was going 2-0 down uh, Ibrox against Braga. And then all of a sudden we started to play a real good bit of football and then dominated out in, in, uh, in Northwest Portugal as well. But in games like, you know, uh, up at Dingwall against Ross County, you could slowly see them tightening, tightening, tightening. And then they start to drop off. And then you're absolutely right. A better team would have taken one of those chances. And I don't think Rangers would have had the capability to come back into it if they'd have went 1-0 down. And one man who I maintain is the gaffer's best signing is Alan McGregor. Um, The second time Josh Mullen walked through the defence, McGregor saves. And Thomas, just, just how valuable is McGregor to this team? I think it's incalculable. Uh, in all honesty, I think there's the the ability to make those saves. Um, I'm obviously just on a on a, a trail now of thinking of the the longest words that I can possibly use. Uh, <laughs> to um, super capitalistic. Um, um, but um, I, I think there's there's not only the fact that he, he makes big saves, and I'm, I'm sure he's an absolute terror in the dressing room as well, but the ability to instill confidence in the back four probably shouldn't be underestimated as well. And I know we're not playing particularly well, but you know we all know enough to know that if you've got a decent keeper behind you, you're willing to 
you know, play a bit more freely, and that's how we need to play. Um, so I, I don't think you can overestimate uh, just how important uh, Alan McGregor has been. It's it's a it's a real sad moment that so far in his uh, second spell that he's not picked up a trophy because he absolutely deserves one. There was one moment in the 68th minute, and I probably shouldn't have laughed, but Ross County had a corner. In comes the corner, and George Edmondson absolutely flattens Barisic. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, Scott, the one person you don't want to flatten is the £22 million man. Listen, you're absolutely right. I I can quite imagine that would be like a fridge falling on top of you. <laughs> uh, he is an absolute monster of a boy and it, I say boy and I, I, I don't use the term too loosely I mean, he is a young guy he's a young guy I mean if we can keep George Edmondson for another few years which we certainly hope we do he's going to develop into a really really useful centre half to have at the club he's an absolute monster but yeah um, as a good, I'm actually surprised that Barisic was able to get up and carry on for the rest of the game usually when he gets knocks like that he's missing for about 4-5 or five weeks so um, fingers crossed he's going to be fit for the, for the two games we've got coming up this week Oh, it was an absolute peach um, <laughs> but then uh, we go on to the 77th minute because again the second half just nothing's going our way I'm sitting watching thinking here we go again I'm shouting for subs and the one person Thomas that I want off the pitch is Alfredo Morelos he's whole performance really was shocking but the, sub, but the subs made where Jones was came on for Kamara Kamara who actually fought in a team that didn't play well had a pretty decent game Yeah I thought Kamara was was reasonable and it's probably to his credit that we're only saying reasonable because uh, you know when he first came on board such was the standard of these performances that we you know we generally thought um, he was going to be absolutely dynamite and he still might very well be and probably will it's just that he's, that he's tailed off um, you'll need to bear with me whilst I dredge up the memories of those final 20 minutes because I think I'd really hit the, the bottle quite heavily by that point such was the key for the game um, and you know I, I think when Morello well do you know it's, it's the conundrum he's, he's starting to play like a, a buffalo that's been shot um, and so I, I don't know if it's just the fact that there's a lot going on in the careful life. You know, and I, I think if I was that age, 6,000 miles away from home, my mum's ill, I'm getting, you know, racist abuse from the stand. Um, nobody seems to respect my skill uh, in the mainstream media, no matter what I do. Um, you know, I'm starting to think, is it really worth it? Particularly if I'm, a, I'm playing a team that's going off the boil. I don't think he's doing that. I think he's just a young man with a lot in his mind. I do actually harbour a wee feeling though that he does look as if he's carrying just a wee bit extra timber um, and that might just be me and I'm, I'm not fat shaming him there for anybody that, that um, writes that in the comments but what he's certainly missing from what he had in, in bags uh, early on the season is just that wee killer instinct um, and also maybe just that wee bit of luck when he was he was hitting shots that were just going in instinctively and it seems to be he's up against a run of some you know Unfortunate misses, he had the header off the bar um, against Hamilton. But also, keepers seem to be fairly inspired against them at the moment as well. But he maybe just needs to up the, the work rate again, because um, that's the only way he can play himself out. Well, I was going to come on to him later, but we'll, just, we'll do it now, Scott. His performance was poor. Yes, he's got a lot on his mind. 
And if that is the case, surely the manager's got to see that and take him off far earlier than the 89th minute. Uh, aye, I didn't... It, again, he never covered himself in a, a great deal of glory, I never felt. Now, I said last week on episode one that um, if he's fit, he has to play. Uh, absolutely stand by that. He would be one of the first names on my team sheet every single week if he's fit. Um, and... At the moment, I worry just how fit he is, frankly. Um, as I say, I think he, he has to be involved and will continue to always be... He'll always have a, a something to say in the game, whether it's coming on for the bench or starting. He'll always... If he starts the bench, he'll always come on. Um, I just think at the moment, he looks like he's very much out of sorts. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of... All the things that we've seen going on recently, um, I'm not entirely sure, but he's certainly not the guy that we had firing all cylinders um, heading towards the end of 2019. No, for, for me, it was a red card waiting to happen. But, uh, so the, the subs are made, and I'm also wanting Kent off. I'm shouting that the TV get Kent off. He's done absolutely nothing. He was trying, but just nothing was coming off for him. And then he scored. <laughs> <laughs> he, cut, he, he takes the ball up the right, cuts inside, and a deflection of uh, Mr. Amy McDonald. Um, Thomas, we needed that badly. Uh, well, I, I think that's maybe the understatement of the, uh, of the season. Um, I'm not entirely sure he would have got his win, his goal bonus for the for the treasury at, at Ibrox. I'll tell you that. But um, he's willing to cut inside. He's willing to take a shot one, and there's maybe more to be said in that than it hit in the back of the net because there is a huge deflection. Um, it was good to see that, he's, that Ken, who I feel is an absolute confidence player um, and again still a young boy um, with a big weight on his shoulders with not just being a heavy price tag but a heavy price tag in Scotland and a heavy price tag for Rangers coming out of post you know, where we were. There's a, there's a real big amount of pressure on, on that boy's shoulders. And the fact he was willing to go back to the to the well and cut inside and take the shot spoke volumes because certainly in the last couple of games, how many times have we seen somebody cuts inside? We're screaming. I think Gerard's been screaming since you know he took the job over, hit some shots outside the box, and we see it get passed across the edge of the box, moved back outside, somebody to whip it in for the defence to clear. So you know what? All good luck to the boy. We did need the luck. I think it got us out of jail. But it was good to see somebody actually take a crack at goal because if you don't do that, you won't score. And then we kind of just, the game kind of petered out after that, to be perfectly honest. But there was one on the 91st minute, Ross County had a corner. And again, the defence is just really struggling to clear the ball. I think Connor Goldson Scott had two attempts to try and clear it. Hi. Um, kind of fluff one and then fluff two a wee bit, wasn't it? <laughs> I am. Um, you. I think at that stage, you're just. You just want to get away, uh, back down the road with the three points. Let's be honest. We, we'd kind of. We'd we'd sort of snatch that goal. I actually felt. <laughs> I actually felt a wee bit sad, after I saw the goal. And I'll tell you the reason why. The the players looked, like they didn't know whether to celebrate that they had scored, or be relieved that they weren't going to be under huge huge scrutiny again on what is going to be a massive week for the football club. Um, Ryan Kent looked thoroughly miserable after he scored. He actually, he, actually, he actually looked a wee bit scared, if I'm being honest. 
Aye, I mean, and, and it's maybe an indictment of where some of these players' mind is just now, and that, that sort of, you know, we've heard that loads the last wee while lose their mentality, and uh, they don't have this and they don't have that. As I say, they, I, I just felt they looked so glum after scoring. They really did. It was like they didn't know how to celebrate. Like, they forgot almost. Um, listen, the, the, the two chances at the end where, where Goldson's kind of... Um, defending for his life um, at that point you just clear your lines and um, get down the road with the three points simple as that because that's what we needed that's what we needed from that game uh, three points nothing more nothing less just that at the very very end of the game Thomas we got a free kick for a what would you say a, a rugby tackle on Canberra <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I believe I believe he didn't even get booked for it no, I mean you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I think if you look really closely in the slow motion, um, Camberry's you know skeleton stays behind and his skin moves forward. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the challenge, but I, I mean again, if you're if you're looking at that with any you know rational view, so taking the Rangers supporter out of me for a second, you're looking at that and you're thinking anywhere in the game. On any part of the pitch, that's a yellow card because there's intrinsically no, you know, attempt for the ball. It's clearly, you know, I don't know what you call it, you know, grievous bodily, you know, obstruction uh, or some some sort of thing, just to stop Camberry getting through. And yet the referee gives a free kick and feels that the job's done. Now, it's a beggar's belief that an official referee in that capacity, mm-hmm. along with his staff, can look at that and say. No, either the guy slipped or that's a natural tackle that didn't quite work out or, well, you know, Camberry's fired his midriff into his chin. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> of weird scenarios that you can put round about that, which, you know, maybe isn't for this particular podcast. But, yeah, it's it's a scandal. The, the sad thing is, and I can hear it both in the quietness of you listening, and in the timber of my voice, is it's just this sad acceptance that nobody's surprised that these decisions get made because they get made in every single game, often multiple times. Uh, and that's that's where we are with Scottish football officiating. Well, listen, see, during the international break, I'm just going to have a podcast where I just list decisions. Um, <laughs> so that's it. We, we head down the road. A 1-0 win. Scott, just points over performance? 100% for me, without any debate at all. Win the game. Um, if, if you'd offered me a one nothing um, before the game started, I would have taken it without any question at all. Um, we have to get back into that routine of winning games, just winning games, getting three points back into the board. Uh and looking ahead to the next game, take your three points and get on with it. So, yes, win's a win. The right of it there, um, absolutely straight on. You know, points, um, the priority, performance would have been great, but absolutely three points, that's can grab, get back to the road. Well, at least it gets easier. On, <laughs> Thursday, on Thursday, we welcome Bayer Leverkusen to Ibrooks. Um, currently they're fourth in the German league behind uh, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig the last five games have won four, drew one the one draw came away at Leipzig 
in their last game, they were 4-0 up against Frankfurt inside 55 minutes and then they rested some players. So, Scott, easy game? I've got no fears whatsoever, Mark. (laughs) No, listen, this this will be our um, toughest game of the season. Uh, And exactly the the same way that I I felt Braga in the previous round was a toughest game then, you're you're quite clearly the the cream of the crop of this competition now for every team that you you come up against and are lucky enough to defeat and put out, um, you know that the next team you're going to play are going to be better. Um, and Leverkusen will be a really, really tough ask. Um, but, you, you know, the, these guys seem to, to save their best performances for, from Europe. And when, they, when the Europa League um, music starts, it, it kind of, it, it, it gives them a bit more of a, I don't know if urgency is the right word, but it certainly G's them up a little bit. You wouldn't be at all surprised if Rangers got a result on Thursday night at Ibrox at all. Um, and it's purely based on the way that they've been playing in Europe this season. Uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they got something on Thursday night. To put it into some kind of perspective, Thomas, Braga sold a player to Barca for, I think it was, was it 20 million? Um, yeah, and Bayer Leverkusen's top talent, Kai Havertz, is worth around a hundred million. Um, so, and and also in the last round, they, they beat Porto home and away. Now I know we played Porto in the groups, and we beat them at Ibrox, and we get a good result over there. But they comfortably beat Porto home and away. Yeah, yeah I mean Havertz aside, because the boy's an absolute an absolute talent. Um, I think the, the, the major differences between this Bayer Leverkusen side and the Braga side are when the Braga draw was made, people got a false opinion because they'd had a bit of a bad spell and then they went on a really good run and people saw them for the good team that they were. They play that high line and there was an ability to get a, a Braga. And if we're being really honest with ourselves as well, as much as it was an unforgettable night at Ibrooks if Braga had taken the chances that they really created in those first 20 minutes, it would have been a really subdued place because they'd have probably been out of sight. Um, they, they didn't take all the chances that they made and they made some absolute stone-cold chances that they should have put away. I think it, Scott's absolutely right. We'll have to absolutely step up our performance and be you know, like the, the, the Rangers of the first six months of the season. Um, uh, but also... I think Leverkusen are of the, the kind of calibre that the chances they make, they will probably take. And we're only a real tough evening. That said, I'm of the same opinion. It wouldn't surprise me if we went out and got a goal early and then, you know, Leverkusen didn't know what had hit them. Um, so all think, you know, hope springs eternal and all that. And I, I'll be there in my hazmat suit, refusing to touch anybody uh, <laughs> along with everybody else. Um but I am going to go to this game. I'm just looking at you earlier on Twitter. It's just a little season Twitter account. I put out some notices about the, the return leg and what would happen there. And there seems to be a bit of debate uh, on some of that. But that's for a, a later time period. Absolutely, I think we'll get a... Do you know what? You said I was on the fence earlier. Uh was one of the other questions. So I'll go with this one. I think we'll beat Leverkusen at Ibrooks on Thursday. There you go. Well, <laughs> no coming back on. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Scott, they, they tend to play a, a 3-4-3. Sometimes they play a 4-2-3-1, but they tend to play a 3-4-3, which was similar to Braga. Uh-huh. So I'll come to you for your lineups in a minute. Um, but what does this Rangers team need to do to secure a result on Thursday? Um, I think they they need they need big performances from um, all your obvious guys. They'll need Alan McGregor to be his brilliant best. They'll need the two centre halves to play very well. They'll need a strong midfield, um, and they'll need Morelos to score. Uh, or someone to score. Uh, I think for the the benefit of the team, um, I think it would be really handy if Morelos pulled a decent performance out of his backside on on Thursday night. Um, I think whoever plays in that sort of midfield threesome um, will have a bit of a job on. They're going to be playing against a really, really first-class team, good unit, strong unit. German team, they're just not weak. Uh, any German team that I've seen Ibrox has, has always came with uh, mental and general hard strength uh, Thursday will be no different so we'll need big performances straight through the middle of the team McGregor, Goldson, whoever plays um, alongside Goldson which we'll probably cover shortly um, and we'll need some real strength up front with Morelos because he's going to hold up the ball and he's going to hope that guys like Kent and I suspect probably Scott Arfield um, if he's fit, um, can get in there and um, close and cause them some problems. Well, the the two bits of injury news that I've seen so far is the top striker, the yeah, top scorer, sorry, Kevin Volland. He's out injured, and the experienced uh, centre back Lars Bender's a, a doubt. Indeed. Now, <clears throat> now, Tommy, I'll ask you an easy question. <laughs> a sense of doom coming there. Bayer Leverkusen or Celtic, what game's more important? Oh, that's... Uh, I'm glad he asked you. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, you're breaking up there. I didn't quite <laughs> see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting... I, if I can ask a question about that question. No. Uh, the politician coming out of the um, Would the result on Wednesday mean that we went through to the next round? No, you can't ask that question. <laughs> um, in that case, I think I'm going to say... Oh, no, I can't do it. No, Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, a Celtic, Celtic game. I tried to... I tried to uh, do you know what? Based on... It's not mathematically out of the question to win the title, and I think there will be one or two more retwists, and we've got... Sunday and a trip to um, uh, whatever it is they play um, to, to come as well. Hope springs again eternal. That said, would it be great to get into the last day of a European competition in Gerald's second season? It would be massive. But given that it's not mathematically impossible, I think I might go back to actually saying Wednesday. <laughs> I'm turning into Duke Evans here by saying that Sunday's the only thing that matters. Uh, no, you know, stuff it. I'll go for Wednesday. We bring you on the pod and you sit <laughs> on the fence. And... <laughs> Those of a certain age group, I'll call myself the judge, just like Ali McLean. Right, Scott, you're starting line up for Thursday. Um, 
Right, this is an easy one, Martin, so thanks very much for that. Um, <laughs> so you'll right start. <laughs> he'll go with McGregor. I think Tavernier will be fit, so he'll start at right back. I think he'll go with Goldson and Hellander. I think he'll play Barisic at left back. Across the middle of the park, I think he'll go with Jack, Davis and Aribo. I think he'll go with Arfield, Kent and Morelos. I think he'll start Hadji on the bench on Thursday night. Thomas, uh, do you agree? Uh, broadly, yes. I think you know. I think that's fairly fairly spot on. I think the only the only difference I might drop in there is instead of a rebo, maybe Kamara. Uh, and Jack's obviously got that wee injury doubt as well with his knee. The only reason yeah. I say Jack, uh, sorry, the only reason I say maybe Kamara instead of um, Arebo is that Gerard might try and pack that midfield to make it difficult to play through, which plays to Bayer's strength, and make them go long, and hope that we can slightly soak it up, as opposed to allowing them to you know go man for man in the midfield and try and play throughs, um, and then get you know Marielos to try and run the channels and, and open things up. That's the only only thing I could think of. But I think uh, one of the key things that Scott's picked up there, I think Hellander will absolutely come back in uh, if he's in any way, shape, shape or form. And final question on Bayer. Thomas, give me a result. I think that Rangers will beat Bayer 2-1. Scott? I think we'll beat them 2 nothing. Martin. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. What do you think the score right. will be out of curiosity? I yeah, you think, can't, can't touch out of that. You have to answer as well, surely. I think my opinion on the score will be edited out. <laughs> um, um, one each. Um, <clears throat> I'll go for one each. I think it'll be one each. Um, right, bef- before we come on to Sunday... Sorry, Martin, if you don't mind me asking, are, you, are both of your score lines predicated on Rangers scoring first? No, 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 no. I just predicated on the fact that I actually think we're going to lose and I just want to pretend it's 1 1. <laughs> <laughs> right, before we move on to Sunday's game against them, let's talk a bit about Borna Barisic. Thomas, I'm going to put you as the director of Tottenham when you're looking for a left-back and you see this Croatian at Rangers and you scout him. How much would you be offering for him? Well, I think that's a, I think that's an interesting one. You know, Left-backs are generally a premium anyway and you've got a, an established, mature 27, 28-year-old, uh, I think something like is it, you know, 12 caps for, for Croatia, 12 full international caps for Croatia, seg, uh, you know, uh, cemented first choice left back performed well in the Europa League performing well for Croatia we know that performing well in the SPFL unfortunately doesn't always translate into any big money I think if he's going to Tottenham who have got a bit of money uh, I think you're looking at probably somewhere and I've seen some of the numbers quoted but I think you're probably looking at somewhere you know north of 15 million um, based on um, maybe on the age in particular, some people might challenge that, but I'm not entirely sure that um, 
the, the immediate bids. You could maybe get up to the 20 odds, but I don't think the immediate bids would maybe start there. And that's not me downplaying them. I'm a big lover of Bono Barisic. But I think that's maybe where conversation might start. And Scott, I'll put you as Ross Wilson and Tottenham come to you and they say, we want your left back, here's 22 million. What do you say? I'll Just drive give me the money. myself. <laughs> Just give me the money. Absolutely give it. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why, why I, I I like Barisic. Um, I think as Tommy's sort of quite rightly pointed out, sort of first choice left back for Croatia, um, international caps. I think it's easy to to forget that um, I think Gerard went through a huge period of his Rangers career, Barisic's Rangers career, and he just didn't fancy him that much. He just mm. didn't get him. And I think there was a general consensus amongst the Rangers support, perhaps up until the beginning of this season, that he was just a wee bit too timid and just was never going to be a, a Rangers left-back. The moment for me that that all changed was when he curled that free kick in against St Mern at St Mern earlier on in the season. That was when Borna Barris, it's his Rangers career. For me, turned on a bit of a sixpence and he became one of these guys that was a was someone who you would absolutely pick to play left-back for his marauding runs and all that down the left-hand side. But up until then, I think he was a bit hit or miss. There's always a concern if he gets injured, how long is he going to be out for? When are you going to see him again if he picks up a wee knock? If Tottenham were to offer us £22 million in the summer for Borna Barisic, I absolutely would expect us to take it. No, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Right, let's move on to Sunday then. And it's fair to say that we're not coming into this in the richest vein of forum. But, Thomas, forum kind of goes out the window in these games. I know it's an old cliche, but it's true. Well, uh, yeah, to, to a certain extent it is, and I agree with you. Um, I think the roles are slightly reversed um, from, uh, you know, maybe the 29th of December, whereby we were coming in riding on the, the crest there, a blue wave, so to speak, uh, and, uh, and Celtic were at a fairly low ebb uh, in the tide. I think they're certainly uh, up for it. They, I imagine, uh, in their dressing room, expect to come and essentially end the title race and do it in our backyard, uh, which is why I think they'll go two up top, Griffiths and, uh, and Edward. I don't think they'll you know, try and play for a draw or try and hit us on the break. Uh, I think they'll go for it, they'll go for the jugular. Uh, certainly we've got a lot to prove, and I'm hoping that with the full crowd behind them, Aurora and Ibrox uh, coming off the back of what I hope is a decent performance against Leverkusen, that we put in the kind of performance that we know that this squad is capable of, and that's the frustrating thing. They've went off the boil. It's not that they're bad players, um, and I'm really hoping that that could be another wee, um, wee spark plug to the back end of the season by getting a, a result on, on Sunday, but it's it's going to be difficult. Celtic have really got their tails up at the moment. Quite well, they are playing well, unfortunately. Scott, these players have proved that when it comes to the big games, they're more than a match for anybody. Yes, uh, I think that um, the two games we've got at Ibrox this week, we've already spoke about Leverkusen um, on Thursday night. The game on Sunday as these games tend to do traditionally, they, they just take care of themselves. Um, the players do tend to lift it for the, the bigger games, Ibrox. There's no two ways about that. The one thing that I 
do have as a concern just now. I think Tommy's sort of um, spoke about it very briefly there. It's that since the game at their place in December, they've completely changed the way that they've played. Um, they've changed the formation to to basically see that we don't give them the going over that we gave them again, which means that on Sunday, in a very similar vein to how we'll play on Thursday, the guys really need to go above and beyond and they need to give it both barrels. And from the minute they walk out on the turf uh, at noon on Sunday, they have to be ready to go uh, and they have to get right into their ribs from the from the outset. Uh, and, you know, I'll say it again, despite everything that's went on the last sort of four, six weeks since we came back after the winter break, you wouldn't be at all surprised if Rangers got two wins this week. And that's certainly what we're hoping for. Thomas, what kind of game are you expecting on Sunday? Well, I think to, to pick up on, on Scott's comments there, which I think are absolutely pressing and, and, and very perceptive as well, I think Celtic will look to dominate the ball, get it on top of our uh, centre-back pairing really early because there's you know perceived weakness there in terms of there's a lack of confidence in the centre-backs. I think it will start really quickly. I don't think it will be a cagey affair. Um and I think Rangers will need to. Uh, I'm trying my best to stay away from you know cliche bingo here. I think Rangers will have to win that battle and win the ball, so to speak, and show a bit of early fight. Um, because I think there'll be a couple of uh, initial tough challenges to see if Rangers are really up for it, or it's a case of minimising the score type of thing, testing our metal. I think if Rangers can get an early goal or even fashion a couple of decent early chances and get on top with the crowd rolling them on, I think we I, we can absolutely see our way to a, a result. Um, but I, I think it will be a really, really open affair. I think both teams will be going for it because I think both teams really, really want the win. Um, Rangers to get back into the, the title challenge and Celtic to what they would imagine to absolutely kill it off right in front of us. So I think it will be both barrels, no holds barred, free for all, Claw hammers in a darkened garage, uh, everybody screaming type of type of scenario. Um, whatever your pleasure is, but I really full guns going for the the first one. I think as well, Martin. If I can just sort of pipe in there, I think the the, the league quite um, for an outsider looking at our league, it would suggest that Rangers have been miles off it and are right now miles off it. We are not miles off of this Celtic team just now. Um, we went to their place in December and gave them an absolute doing. Uh, there is nothing to fear from this Celtic team. Absolutely nothing. Um, and the guys need to... You know, I've heard Stephen Gerrard speak in the last couple of weeks when we have been struggling with confidence. We absolutely have. But he speaks about how he's looking to these players to you know shoulders back, chest out, and get on with it. If there's ever a time that that applies, it's absolutely Sunday. Not Thursday. But Sunday is absolutely the time to stick your chest out and be aware what's on your chest and get out there and go on with it. Scott, does a win realistically give us any hope in this title race? All it, listen, it, it, it gives you three points and it pushes you three points closer to them. I think Tommy is right. There's still scope for a couple of things to maybe um, go wrong for them. Um, they are playing well. Uh, the, the reality is that we've had a really 
shoddy couple of weeks where we've we've dropped points where we shouldn't have dropped. But we, we know all about that now. It's in the past. You have to hope that um, they do drop points now, regardless of what we do on, on Sunday. If we beat them on Sunday, it just pushes us three points closer to them. We've got a game in hand, which we still need to take care of. Um, our main problem after the Old Firm game may very well be our consistency between then and the end of May when the trophies have got to hand in it. Yeah. Thomas, how big a game is, is Sunday for Gerard? And I ask because anybody can lose an Old Firm game, but if we go into it in the same form that we've showed, then there's every chance that we could take a hammering. So how important is it for Gerard that the players at least show fight on Sunday? I think that's I think that's a key a key point. Uh, you're right. Anybody can lose any game, right? Not not even just an old firm game. We saw that against Hamilton, right? If if you're a, a very low ebb or you don't take your chances or whatever happens, that's that football. It's one of the reasons why we, we love it, so to speak. I think it is all about performance. I think if we were to even be narrowly defeated, but it be a tug of war, um, you know, two two players, you know, standing on on the toes in the line, hammering each other on the jaw, uh, type of thing. Um, then we would be behind it. I, I should point out I'm a massive believer in Gerard and think he's the right man for the club and he should absolutely stay. But could he survive the negative wave if it turned into a 5-1 or something similar and there was echoes of Virginia and, and this type of thing? That would be really difficult. He's not had anything like that. All the, the performances against Celtic have been extremely good or at least competitive. You know, Maybe the 1-0... Uh, when we came back from Ufa, wasn't really the best. But um, I, I think performance is for you know on this one maybe equally as important as uh, result. I could never downgrade the result to be less important, but I think the performance, particularly for some players, more so than Gerard, um, there's really got to be some standing up and delivering big moments from some of the big players as well, because they might not be able to recover in the, the fans' eyes as opposed to Gerard. Right, Scott, I'll come to you first for the lineups. Um, but what I will ask is because both these games are at Ibrox on the Thursday and the Sunday, depending obviously on the result and performance from Thursday, do you think there'll be many changes? Uh, I think a lot will depend on uh, how the game goes on Thursday, to be honest with you. I think if he. If he starts, if Stephen Gerrard starts Hellander on Thursday night, for example, and he gets maybe an hour to 90 minutes of him, really see a centre-half substituted, of course, but in Hellander's case, we haven't been out for such a long period of time. If he does start, I'd like to think that Gerrard would like to give him the full 90. If he comes through that 90 minutes unscathed, then I would expect him to start against Celtic. That said, um, he may fancy having someone a bit more... Um, bulkier in there and that obviously points to um, Edmondson to play alongside Goldson for me. I don't think he'll start Katic because of the the debacle that um, happened in Perth. I still think Katic is having to shake that off the system a little bit. Um, I think there will be scope for him to change it. Uh, how he's going to do that will very much depend on how the result goes on Thursday. Thomas, just on Katic. Katic has shown in Old Firm games especially that he is up to the challenge and obviously in the last one he scored. Do you still expect like what Scott's saying for Hellander to play and Katic to miss out? 
I think again, I think you're right. I think Katic has played well, played extremely well the game at, uh, at their place. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with Scott, though. I think in terms of his his rashness, some of his positional naivety, um, I think there might just be a bit more room for if it's not Hellander, which I think would be Gerard's preferred, then it, it will probably be Edmondson. That's not to say I don't like Katic. I think there's a player in there, um, but there's also maybe a confidence issue a wee bit as well. Um, on top of that, I just think that the another change might be that uh, having previously said that I thought uh, maybe Kamara would come in for a rebo in the Bayer game, I think a rebo will start uh, against uh, against Celtic because I think Gerard will uh, look to play through them a bit more, um, and I think a rebo offers you a bit more of that than, than Kamara obviously. And finally, predictions, Scott. I think. I think we'll win one nothing on Sunday. And who do you think will score? I'm going to say Morelos. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, a barnstormer of a three-one victory for Rangers, with goals from Haji, Morelos, and Aribo. Did you stop drinking after Sunday at all? I don't think the team from I picked the wrong, the wrong month to stop sniffing glue. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I think this week Rangers will actually turn up, uh, and I think it will reignite the back end of the season. Um, I don't think the players have got any other option. Let's put it that way. Okay, guys. Well, listen, that'll do us uh, for this week. But just before we go. For anybody listening, just to let you know that we've updated our website. We've got a brand new website. It's uh, this is ibrooks.co.uk. So get yourself over to that. You can see the blogs and the articles, match previews. Uh, go and give it a look. If you want to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at this is ibrooks, facebook.com forward slash this is ibrooks, Instagram search this is ibrooks. You get the picture. If anybody wants to follow yourself, Scott, on Twitter. Uh, they can get me at at Scotty Patterson six. And Thomas, you can get me at Tommy in Glasgow. That's Tommy in Glasgow. And if you want to get me, it's D eighty nine Martin. Um, you can also download download the podcast. We're now on all the podcast apps: iTunes, iCloud, Podbean, uh, you name it. We're on it. Um, so uh, all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Scott cheers Martin thanks and thanks very much to Tommy for coming on at short notice absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me Uh, no problem at all so until next week take care bye